Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and on this Wisdom Wednesday, we're going to be diving into the Proverbs chapter number 5. We're going to be starting off in verse number 1. I believe for the first section here, we're going to read down to verse number 14. And we're going to look back and, and cover a lot of this ground as the Lord gives us time today. So we'll give God thanks and praise and prayer, and then we'll dive right in. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for the blessing of this time that we have together, for the wisdom that you impart to us through the teachings that Solomon imparts to his children. We understand, Lord, that we need this wisdom to keep our hearts straight, to help others understand how to keep their hearts straight, and to please and honor you in the choices we make in our life. We need this wisdom. So God, we pray that you will bless us with it today, that we will be able to receive of its riches, and that we may be able to better honor you today and tomorrow than we did yesterday. We'll thank you and praise you for everything that you bless us with this day in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, in this section of Proverbs chapter number 5, we're dealing with a warning against adultery. But the adultery that we're dealing with here is, is not that which is necessarily of the physical nature, but it's the discretion, it's the direction of our thinking that is led by another direction than the Lord. As, we, as was revealed by Jesus in Matthew chapter number 7, that if a person lusts after another person in their thinking, in their heart, then they've committed adultery before God. So we know that, that all the sins that, that we have committed and all the sins that exist in the world are issues of the heart more than issues of the, the activity of the flesh. Things like addictions, they're born in the heart. They're connected to the thinking of a person. And that's why uh, Romans chapter number 12 would then go on in verse number 2 to tell us not to be conformed unto this world. Being conformed to something is being, is being formed around the ideas of it. In other words, following after the teachings of the world. It's not to be conformed by the world, but to be transformed. And this is a really neat word because this word denotes that you were thinking one way. You, everybody that comes into this world apart from Christ basically thinks in a similar manner. They may think in different tracts. They may have different directions of life and be born into different spheres of life in, in society, but... They carry the same basic construct of thinking as sinful. It's sinful in nature. It's chasing after the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. It's chasing after the pride of life, as revealed in 1 John chapter number 2 from verses 15 to 17. So we find that this is dealing with a, a scenario of adultery that, that's of the heart. It's not... Not necessarily those activities physical that these these young people would do or that Solomon had done himself as he comes down to admit in about verse number 14. So we're going to look at it. As we read down uh, Proverbs chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 1, the scripture says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. 
For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Therefore hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised instruction or correction? I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin, and in the midst of the assembly and congregation. The point that is being made in verses 12 to 14 in, in Solomon saying, look, if you give yourself to this, this wickedness, if you give yourself to this instruction that's going to lead you away from the assembly of the congregation, if you're going to do these things, then you're definitely going to end up saying that, that in, in the time that you recognize the path of your life, these words have i how have i hated instruction and dis, my heart despised correction now as solomon is teaching these things these are the very things that he had spoken of concerning himself in in the book of ecclesiastes as he would say vanity is vanity saith the preacher everything is vanity so it's very important to understand that when, when he says that, that you mourn at last in verse number 11, your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, that's because Solomon knows what this exactly feels like. He knows exactly what he's talking about because he's felt that consummation. He's felt that, that flesh and body being consumed by, by all of these things that are crooked and perverse. And Solomon is found to be saying, how have I hated instruction? How in the world did this happen to me? And my heart is despised correction. What, what's wrong with that? Another prime example of what is being said here between 12 and 14 is the Apostle Paul. Uh, again, we keep coming back to this, but in Romans chapter number 7, he says, the things that I want to do are the things I find myself not doing. And the things that I know I shouldn't be doing are the things I do all the time. Then he says, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That same lamentation that Paul gives concerning the direction and nature of his flesh is exactly the same lamentation that you'll find coming out of of Solomon here where he says how have I hated instruction and despised correction that I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers I haven't listened to the good path I haven't listened to the right way of all of my teachers who desire to do good for me I've not paid attention to but all of the dregs and wretches that, that have taught me evil and wickedness, I heap myself to them so that I may continue deeper into those things that I know I shouldn't be doing. 
And it's a prime example, and it may have happened to you at, at points of time in your life, and it certainly has happened to many, you can see it all the time, is that when you're by yourself or you're in an unfamiliar group, you happen to be a pretty cool person. You're fun to talk to. You're fun to be around. But just tie you up with one of your buddies. Tie you up with with a couple of the influences you might have had over your life for for a couple of years. All of a sudden, you're a whole nother creature. You're a whole nother person. You're you're acting out. You're acting out together. You're devising evil. You're doing rude things. You're talking back to people. You're 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 acting like an idiot. Whereas when when those influences weren't there, you were a great person. But in in an instant, kind of like what happened with with uh, Peter. Remember in Acts chapter number fifteen with Peter. Uh, he was sitting at the table with the Gentiles, and and when Paul comes walking in, the Apostle Paul and his entourage, when he comes in, Peter immediately gets up and walks away from the table of of the Gentiles and goes back and hides at the table of the Jews, and and Paul called him out on it. He said, "What in the world's your problem? You know, all of a sudden these people are not clean enough for you to sit with and to talk with and to eat with." Uh, so you're going to go run over back to your Jewish buddies when when you were just fine with them before I got here. And th- that's the same nature that you'll find in the Apostle Peter, that same nature that, that he says, oh, you know, here comes Paul. I better get out of here and get back with my Jews so that I look uh, better, so that I look Jewish for him. You know, I'm trying to impress him. And, and instead of impressing Paul, you, you aggravated him because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. So his whole point would be, Peter, get back over here and hang out with the Gentiles. What's wrong with you? Well, it's the same thing that happens when you've got an individual or maybe you are that individual who completely changes in personality and, and in activity when when a couple of your buddies get around you so that you become riotous together and you feed off of each other and you, you, you make great destructive progress, which is not a good thing, that's exactly what, what Solomon is warning us about from verse 1 all the way down to verse number 11. So let's take a look at it. Verse number 1, it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom and lend your ear to my understanding. Now, this would be somewhat of a pretty good idea because Solomon, up to this point as he's writing these Proverbs, he's gone through a lot. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, who's packing about, a, what, 700 wives and 1,000 concubines, and he's, he's dealing with um, matters of society as being the king over the United Kingdom of Israel, but also chasing after every potential wickedness and, and good thing, uh, just wisdom. He'd probably be a good person to listen to as far as the good goes, but I'm sure he can instruct you in so much bad that it wouldn't be worth being around him because he'd become a bad influence instead of a good one. He says, lend your ear to my understanding. Now, keep in mind, the whole thing we're dealing with here is wisdom. And as we have a warning here against adultery, understand that that the her that is going to be spoken of, this immoral woman, the lips of this immoral woman, is not a human being. 
okay? It's not dealing with a human being as it was. It's dealing with the, the temptation and the sensuality of thinking, of the thinking. This is what leads so many people in our society unto an addiction to pornography is because of the sensuality. It's, it's the lust of the flesh that exists as the, as the core of that particular drug as it was because it, it, it literally causes people to be uh, out of their mind. It, it inebriates people and, and locks them in and becomes literally a temptation to the flesh to the point where, where it is an addiction because it drives the flesh to desire more. And so that it can have the ability to overpower the mind, literally overpower the thinking, so that the person isn't even in the in the ability to cognitively think, reason about what's happening. They just get lost in, in this passion or lost in this desire. And that's the reality of all addictions. By the time that they take root in your your flesh and they corrupt your soul, That it's got you. It's just got you. And the only hope that you have to break free from that is to acknowledge it. Most people, I mean, it's the very first thing, the very first step of the 12-step process for, for Alcoholics Anonymous or, or Narcotics Anonymous, NA, is, is that you've got to acknowledge this thing. You've got to acknowledge that you have this problem, that you you understand that you are an addict. And, and you can't go anywhere else until you reach that place of acceptance of this truth. You've got to acknowledge this reality. If you continually deny it, say, well, no, I really don't have a problem with that, then you will remain in that that thing, whatever that addiction is, you will, re you will remain in it because until you are prepared to acknowledge that you have a problem, you're not going to be prepared to fix it. And you won't have the strength or perseverance that's going to be necessary in order to fix it. And that's just a simple truth. But he says, pay attention. Now, that's a nightmare in itself. In verse number one, pay attention to my wisdom. Give ear, lend your ear. Now, the words pay attention and the, the phrase lend your ear, these two come together because attention is something that is, is personally given. It's something that's freely given. If you could be sitting in a room, you could be paying, you, you could be watching this particular message right now, but not receiving anything that it has to say because your attention is given unto uh, sewing or unto the television or unto uh, you know, reading a book or unto a conversation that's happening in the room. Your, your attention can be elsewhere, even though you wanted to hear this, you turn this on, you've got it playing, but you're really not getting anything out of it because your attention is elsewhere instead of locked in with the Word of God and with me in this moment. And the same thing is true on a Sunday morning. You could be sitting in the church and the message could be amazing, but you're you're worried about what this kid's wiggling or what that kid's doing. Are you worried about the lunch and if the pastor's going to go over noon, which if you've got me, you're probably going over a little bit. 
Uh, you're, you're worried about all these little things. If I'm going to miss the game and uh, in the fall or, or what, what's going to be happening in, in three hours or four hours or what I've got to do on Monday while you're sitting in the pew because you finally slowed down. And now all of these thoughts are starting to come at you because you're, you're addicted to your own life. And so you're, you're constantly battling over those things. And, and, and though the Word of God would want to help you, though, though God said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you, and, and all of these invitations are open for you to, to be able to receive, you, you're just totally missing everything because your attention is on the things of your addictions. The, the, your attention is on the things of this world instead of being holy in the moment with God. And we wonder why we have a watered-down Christianity today. I'd have to say it's probably because we, we're not paying attention to what Solomon's trying to tell us. We're, we're busy floating through the, the avenues of our thoughts and not giving one thought to what God's trying to say. And so we walk away empty, kind of like the bread that, that they eat over in Burundi in the area that I was at. They, they eat a bread that is made from the roots of the cassava plant. And, and it's very filling. I mean, that it's like weighs 10 pounds. It's very filling uh, substance to be able to eat, but it's completely void of nutritional value at all. There's no nutrients in this in this bread by the time it's prepared and made, and so you have a society that is starving, but but they feel completely full. You know, you could you could eat that bread in in the morning and not even feel like you need to eat anything until the evening. I mean, it's very filling. But there's no nutritional value to it. So though your body feels full, you're starving to death. And so the, the same thing is true. You, you may go to church and you may think yourself to be full of Christ and, and, and to be okay. But the truth is, is that all the different cares and worries and all the different activities and things that are in this world that you're involved in are just sack, sapping the life right out of you. So that, that you may think that your life is full but none of those things have the spiritual value of Christ in them, and they're just you're just starving, even though your schedule is completely full and you don't have time for anything because everything is is taking it up. So Solomon's saying, pay attention, you lend your ear, listen up. He says the necessity of paying attention to these teachings is so that you can preserve preserve discretion you see there there is a necessity to be able to have wisdom in order to be able to use wisdom in the choices of every decision that you're going to have to make most people don't have biblical wisdom in other words they haven't like second timothy chapter number two and verse number 15 tells them they haven't studied to show themselves approved unto god so that they could rightly divide the word of truth they 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 take the world's things and apply them to God's word to make God's word speak what the world says. 
instead of taking God's word into the world and transforming it for Christ. Now, as Christians, we are called, we have a God-given duty, which is a pretty important thing to understand. It wasn't a suggestion of Jesus to go into all the world if you have time and in your way and manner. He, he didn't make that suggestion. He said, go into the world and preach and teach the gospel. So really we weren't left with the opportunity to be able to do things the way we feel that they need to be done or the way we choose to do them. We actually have a, a duty like what you would expect if your military uh, personnel or your law enforcement personnel, your firefighters and EMS, those guys, your, your hospital staff, that they would have a duty to serve you, that they would have a duty to protect you, that, that that would call them to accept the fact that they may lay down their lives to be able to keep you alive. And so we would expect them to have a duty. But by the way, Christian, you have a duty to do these things which you're learning about right now, to to maintain this wisdom, to preserve discretion and your lips to keep knowledge. Knowledge is the beautiful woman of Proverbs 31, that 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 strong and and wonderful woman. And but perversion, the 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 wicked knowledge or the evil knowledge of the immoral woman's, the moral woman would be the knowledge of God's word. The immoral woman would be the knowledge of the ways of this world. So that we make that that distinction there, he says in verse number two, that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. Very important that discretion and knowledge go hand in hand. It, it's The knowledge of God is not a boisterous knowledge. It's not a boasting knowledge except that it may boast upon Jesus Christ and the work that he's done, which is that beautiful message of the gospel and his death, burial, and resurrection for the salvation of our souls. Now, we may, we may brag on Jesus about that a little bit. It's recognizing that it would be impossible for anyone else to be able to deliver us in the same manner that Jesus has delivered us. It would be just impossible. Only Jesus could do what Jesus has done. Because only salvation is of the Lord. And by the way, that's what Jesus' name means in Hebrew. Yeshua, salvation. Now, for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Now, that, that sounds pretty good because I'm a fan of honey. I mean, when, when I first got to Martin here, it was pretty awesome because I open up this, these cupboards and all of, there, there's already food. Uh, that's pouring into the house, but some of the most amazing thing. There's this little little community. I'm I'm guessing this is where this honey comes from. There's this little community that's located north of where we're living right now, and north and east, and and it's called cells, and and cells. Th- there's this honey that you can get from there that's kind of like a a spread, and you actually dig your your fork into this or dig your knife into this and spread it onto the bread. And oh boy, have I been enjoying that honey because it's just amazing. And it's a local source honey to be able to prep your body with the the needed uh, things to fight the, the local allergies in a community. And that's one of the beautiful things about honey as well. 
And and so, you, you know, when you're talking about honey, most people just absolutely love it. It's just a tasty treat that comes to us from nature, right? The bees are putting it together for us, and then we're just kind of harvesting it from their hives, which is a pretty good deal. But we have to understand that the lips of an immoral woman, that, that wicked knowledge or that false knowledge, those things which bring us into addiction, the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil. Now, here's the truth. How did you get into smoking? How did you get into drinking? How did you uh, get into uh, the the preferential lifestyles of maybe the LGBTQAI plus CXY? Anyway, how did you get into those those lifestyle choices? How did you get into pornography and, and all of these different addictions how did, how did we actually get into them if it wasn't for the lips of an immoral person that was already in them somebody coaching us to enter into these choices somebody directing us into this particular lifestyle or somebody moving us now it doesn't mean that within us we didn't have a natural tendency toward those things to begin with I'm not saying that that we don't have a, a a literal makeup that is corrupted, okay? From the very DNA, from the very cells that make up who we are, we find that corruption. And and our hearts tend to have a a bent toward one addiction than another. I mean, for instance, not everybody smokes, but a lot of people do. Not everybody drinks, and a lot of people don't even care to drink. A lot of people haven't never had uh, one alcoholic beverage in their life, not because they, they, they were under some strict code that forced them not to do this. It, it said you can't, but that they just never really cared to taste it. They don't care about it because it isn't something that drives them. Unfortunately, I was a person who, who tended to turn toward alcohol, loved the taste of it, and it drove me in that direction. And, and by the way, it wasn't something where, where I personally said, hmm, I think I'll try some of this. I think I'll get one of those. No, it wasn't the case at all. Uh, my case, I grew up watching my grandparents, whom I respected even more than my own parents because I spent time with them, and, and they were fun. You know how it is where, where the grandparents' job is to completely ruin and spoil the grandkids. Well, mine did. And, and every morning you'd wake up as you spent the night over at their house and they would be smoking cigarettes together and they'd be drinking beer together. So the influences that I had that saw that these things seemed to be really good things because grandma and grandpa did them around the table and they enjoyed each other and their company with those. So at 12 years old, I'm stealing cigarettes off the top of my grandma's refrigerator and and. You know, they're, they're slamming beers, so I can't wait till I get old enough to where I can be able to get my own beer because then I can be cool like my grandpa was, you know. And, and, and my own parents never drank alcohol. There was never alcohol in our home. My own parents didn't have anything to do with it. But 
the influences of, of watching those to whom we respect greatly do these things causes us to think, well, there's nothing wrong with it because the people I love, the people who are important to me, they're doing it. So, all right, let's do this. Then, of course, a couple of my buddies, when I'm when I'm 14 or 15 by this point, they're all out there smoking together. So, hey, let, I'm, I'm still by this point of time, I'm still smoking and stealing cigarettes off the top of grandma's fridge because I can't buy them yet. And so <clears throat> you have those influences. Of course, you get into the military after after a period of time and and you know those guys are all looking for a riotous time, and they're they're all coming together to drink. And before receiving Christ, that was an open open avenue by which I could just get together. And and the truth be known, I didn't care for the way that I felt. Obviously, after a drunken binge, I didn't care for those things that the way that it manipulated the the, the senses during that period of time because i'd studied martial arts for ever and and i didn't like not being in control but that that was the thing that you did with the people that you were with so guess what you you were surrounded by this this wicked immoral woman called wickedness you you were surrounded by this immoral woman called wicked knowledge or evil tendencies evil ways and and the the good things that i had grown up learning i did not preserve that discretion i did i didn't keep knowledge that was given to me to protect me from that evil uh, direction or as it was that that evil one is referred to here uh, I'd listen to the mouth of the 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 immoral woman and it boy she is smoother than oil those people called friends who who coached you into this direction or who lulled you into doing what they were doing oh it's smoother than oil because everybody is doing it. So you should be in on this too, man. You don't want to be left out. You don't want to be left behind. Everybody's doing it. Oh, she'll snare you. And the truth is, is that in the end, you will discover that she's as bitter as wormwood. And that that wormwood is pretty interesting because it's it's basically referring to a plant. Uh, and and these plants that you will find as concerning this wormwood are, are very bitter plants or poisonous to mankind hemlock that's the plant that i'm looking for okay so it's it's recognized as hemlock now it's very a poisonous plant to to mankind and that is the the poison of this immoral woman now she's smooth make no mistake she's smooth and make no mistake that this honey is sweet but once it gets into you, it becomes bitter. I didn't like being a slave to alcohol. I didn't like being a slave to cigarettes. I didn't like being a slave to to the riotous ways that I would be living. It's, it's interesting how we become two different people. You know, it, it, I would be home with my wife, with my, my one daughter at the time, and at and, and home around that influence that would be in my life, I would be a... a relatively good person i wouldn't be cussing all the time and fussing all the time and i'd have i'd have a right mind and everything else but i would go to work 
in the military, I put on that uniform, I'd hit, I'd go to work, I, I, I would start cussing and fussing and screaming and hollering and, 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 and being riotous and fighting and, and, and everything else. And it's like, literally, who is this guy? Because he totally transforms from what he was around his family to what he is around these other people. And, and the scripture tells us over in the book of James in chapter number one that a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. And hallelujah, how true that is. Because when you are done being the warrior at work, being an idiot really, but being a warrior at work, you come home and, and you'd still be that feisty idiot that, that, that you were uh, trying to tell people what to do and, and yell and fuss at it. Then, then my wife, praise God for her, she'd get in my face and tell me I'm being an idiot and then I'd have to stop and think about it for a second. Then I would become this, this guy at home and until the time I put the uniform back on, it was just flopping back and forth, back and forth. Uh, wow. And you think, well, that doesn't happen to me. Oh, you're the very one that it's happening to. The very fact that we would make a denial of that claim, say, well, that might happen to other people, but I've never been that way. Oh, buddy, you have. Yes, you have. And if you see this in your children, if you have children and you see this flip-flopping happening in their lives, you're thinking, man, I wish they would just decide. I wish they would just get straight. If you see that flip-flopping happen, by the way, they had to learn it somewhere. You're saying that you don't do that, but they do. Guess where they learned it from? Their learning started when they were two, when they were one, when they were born, and they were watching your life this whole time and a lot of the characteristics of your children's lives are because of who you were in their formative years of life. And it goes down, it says, her feet, the immoral woman's feet, the, the knowledge of evil, her feet go down to death and her steps lay hold of hell. Uh, by the way, the end result of all those paths that lead to addictions is ultimately death. Okay, ultimately, that's where you're going to go. Because you start drinking, you're going to drink more, you're going to drink more, you're going to drink more. And eventually you could end up with psoriasis to the liver. You could end up with, with uh, alcohol poisoning. You could end up going too far. And, and alcohol may end up taking you over into drugs without even thinking. You're inebriated, you're drunk, somebody shoots you up, boom, you're addicted to, to heroin and alcohol. It, it, the progression of sin leads to death. Plain and simple, the progression of sin leads to death. And that is exactly what is going to happen to those who will not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for the redemption of their soul, but continue to turn to the paths of the wicked in their direction in life. That's what's going to happen. He said, unless you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Unless you ponder the things that you're doing to pay attention to the need to change, you're going to die. She's going to suck you in and put you straight to the gates of hell. Now, Solomon ain't playing no games here, guys. He's being straight up with us. He said, therefore, hear me now. <laughs> he said, listen, pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Now, as he would be seen, seen to be somewhat of an authoritarian at this point, as he's basically barking at his children, saying, listen to me, you idiots. He's saying, pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you. 
You say, well, wow, that's harsh language. Yeah, but it caught your ear, didn't it? And and that's the concept. It he He's literally using the strength of these words to catch the ear because it's easy for somebody who speaks in a monotone frame who's who's just going to be boring like that that one teacher on Ferris Bueller's day off where it just keeps going Bueller 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 it's like everybody in the classroom is asleep before this guy even makes it to 10 minutes well the, the, you know you aren't going to be able to really get your point across but if you snap onto somebody for a second and and really cause them to to be jarred out of the normalcy of the way that they're thinking or the normalcy of of their pattern of existence if you could jar them just for a minute just like he did he said you better listen to me now <laughs> verse number 7 in 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 the southern manner of speaking solomon said y'all listen up now yeah <laughs> i mean he just he's nailing these guys he said, don't depart from the words of my mouth. And the plea, you can hear the desperation of the plea of Solomon. Because, I mean, this guy's played the fool. This guy's been evil. This guy, this guy's done everything under the sun when you read Ecclesiastes. And he's, he's been wicked, but, but he doesn't want the same life for his children. So he's desperately trying to explain to them the the way of living, what to do, what not to do, what direction to go in, what direction not to go in. But unfortunately, with children as it is with people, words are cheap. And it's the life that you've lived that others see that calls them to choose often the direction that they're going to go in. And if you're not pleased with the direction of your life, but you're still living it in front of your kids, and guess what they're going to do when they get old enough to make their own decisions? They're going to make the decisions that you have made. Not what you have told them to make, but what you have done. And we often hear that saying, don't do as I do, do as I say, or do as I tell you to do. Doesn't ever happen, does it? Because they will do as you tell them to do for the length of time that they have to be under your command. But as soon as they're able to come out from underneath your command, they're going to end up doing exactly what you do because they saw you enjoying what you were doing. And though you were telling them that what you were doing was evil and they shouldn't be doing it, they saw you enjoying that evil so they learned to call that evil good because you enjoyed it and they they did not do what was good because that would have been the opposite of what they wanted to do evil so <laughs> oh how guilty we are of the teachings that we give without saying a word Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, the addictions that sap the life right out of you, that, that people can take credit for destroying you, that people can take credit for leading you into the paths of their unrighteousness for their own name's sake. And, and at that, the leadership of Satan that would bring that wickedness into their souls to begin with. I mean, guys... Don't, don't go that direction. And it comes down, he says, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and there's nothing you can do about it. It's too late. You've, you've done the damage. You've done the damage. 
How have I hated instruction and my heart despised correction? How's that happen? I just didn't see it coming. Even though you've been doing it for decades, I didn't see it coming. I've not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Oh, mercy, drink water from your own cistern. We'll have to catch up to that after uh, next Wednesday. We'll be doing this next Wednesday. I think we may even be able to finish up uh, Revelation here in this week, maybe up to Monday, and and then we'll be clear for doing Proverbs on a regular basis and keeping this right in the frontlets of our eyes, which would be a good thing. So we'll see how that works. But next week, certainly, we're going to be starting up in Proverbs chapter number 5 and verse number 15. We're going to look at drinking water from our own wells. And amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time we're able to have together today in Proverbs. We ask your blessing upon it, that you will help us, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that we may be able to see the truth of our own lives, the truth of the path of the lives that we're uh, connected to and influence on a regular basis, Lord, that we may be able to realize that we need to make changes so that we can help others to make the same changes necessary because they learned an errorful path from us. Lord, what a shame that would be, but it's never too late to be able to fix it. We just need to trust in your wisdom and follow you and help others to learn to do that too. We thank you for this day, this blessing, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. And we'll catch you tomorrow for the second half of Revelation 21, looking at that beautiful uh, city of God, New Jerusalem. So, till then, take care.